Welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. Welcome to our listeners all around the world. We're so glad you've joined us today. We have an amazing show. We're sharing coffee dreams with our special guest, Joel Rasmussen today. And before we get started, before I share a little bit more about the show and introduce our wonderful guest, Joel, we have our Anikona Farm moment today. And we are getting ready to prune our trees on Anikona Farm. February is a great time to do that. We have just completed our harvest. Um, we want to make sure that we tend to our trees and we're good to our trees. So we're about to, to prune. The other interesting thing on the farm Right now, we always think about what's kind of a good project to think about. And we are actually thinking about how we can use some of our coffee waste, things that just kind of, you just don't even think about, like the parchment that's around the bean, what happens to that? So we've been thinking about how we can use some of that parchment, possibly in biodegradable materials. So it's a great time to sort of think about our entrepreneurial ideas and think about how we can use the skins, the coffee cherry, and make put them to good use in the form of some biodegradable materials. So that's something that we're going to be thinking about in the next few months in, in addition to our pruning. So now let's talk about sharing coffee dreams with our guest, Joel Rand. Rasmussen. And Joel is in Austin, Texas. He's he's a script writer, a producer, an editor. He's actually an author of a best-selling book, Vacation Rental Success, Volume 1, From Start to Profit. And he's also even done a film documentary about music. But also we're going to talk about some of the new coffee ideas they had when they were attending university in the 1990s. Welcome, Joel, to My Favorite Coffee Story. Thank you so much for having me here. We're really glad you've joined us. So I know that you're also co-owner of Soco Spaces, property management company in Austin, Texas, and you have beautiful uh, furnished boutique guest houses that um, are near downtown Austin, and you and your wife, Danny, have done an incredible job with your beautiful rentals. You were even voted top 10 in the world by Travel by UK, and also I know you're, you're a favorite top vacation rental on TripAdvisor. But I was hoping we could start a little bit about your early days and when you attended the University of Montana, and um, I guess you have a bachelor's in music, music tech, is that right? That's yes. That that I've uh, used a little bit and then kind of left behind, like most most folks' <laughs> educations. Uh, but yes, that's that's where we originally met, University of Montana, and that's what I was studying at the time. Yes, and when you were attending the University of Montana, you had this incredible idea. And please share with us how you had the idea to start coffee cart carts there at the University of Montana. Sure. So, well, our story really begins with a lie, actually, and it was just a little white lie, but but a, a prevarication nonetheless. And I knew that I was lying at the time, but I didn't care, and I I didn't really know what else to do. So, to set the stage, when we first met, Danny had just come back from a study abroad program in Mexico uh, that was through the University of Montana, and I had just come back from my own made up study abroad program in Spain because I didn't know what I was doing and figured that throwing on a backpack <laughs> and going walkabout was maybe the best way to, to figure out what I wanted to do in life. And when we both returned to the United States, uh, a friend suggested that I go to a party and, and that's where we met. And I just, I fell for her immediately. Uh, and because she had just come back from Mexico and, and my study abroad program, if nothing else had taught me fluent Spanish, uh, we started talking 
very excitedly and we're talking back and forth between English and Spanish. And one of the things that we hit on was coffee. We both had kind of fallen into these, the, the coffee house lifestyle in the places that we were living. And it was one of the things that, that really animated both of us. But at the end of the conversation, as the night was winding down, um, you know, this was before cell phones and email. And, and I was just enchanted with this girl. I wanted to stay connected to her and I didn't know what to do. So I asked her, you know, what, what classes are you taking? Because the fall semester started the following week. And she said, well, I'm, I'm in advanced uh, uh, Spanish literature on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I said, you've got to be kidding. I'm in that class, too. <laughs> and, of course, that was a complete fabrication. That was not in any way true. Uh, but she said, great, I'll see you on Tuesday. And she faded into the night. And I don't think I slept a wink. And the next morning I ran as fast as I could to the university and, and found the professor and burst into his office and said, you have to let me into Spanish advanced lit. And he looked at me with this kind of puzzled look on his face. And he said, well, we certainly appreciate enthusiasm, but I'm sure that, you know, enrollment is closed and the class is full. Um, so you'll just have to come back next and register next semester. And I'm sure the look on my face looked, you know, something like desperation. And I said, but there's this girl. And his eyes twinkled and the corner of his mouth curled up. And <laughs> two years later at our wedding, uh, Professor Stan Rose had that same smile, but it was now a megawatt smile um, because he was watching the proceedings and he knew the role that he had played in the two of us getting together. So that was that was the beginning of our adventure, and, and there was kind of a coffee line all the way through it. That's an incredible story, Joel. Thank you for sharing that and how you met Danny. And I know you make such an incredible team as you you do run these beautiful uh, Airbnb vacation rentals. And Danny adds that element of the design element because that's her background. Is that right? It is. She's always had such a visual flair. And so a little later in our story, when we, once our coffee business grew into um, a coffee house, that was the moment that we discovered we loved renovating old properties. And that was where I really, for the first time, saw her visual and, and mechanical genius at walking into a property and being able to, no matter what it looked like, reimagine it as what it could be. Yes. Your coffee story is so inspiring. So how did you go about, Joel, make, like putting together that first coffee cart? What were the steps you took? Well, one of the things that we both discovered that we love uh, growing up in the Rockies is the outdoors. And our first date, if you can call it that, was actually a three-day hike through the Bob Marshall Wilderness in Montana. And over the course of that hike, we kept talking about these coffee shops that we loved in, in Mexico and in Spain. And there, this was long before Starbucks and before really good coffee was available everywhere in the United States. But we had had these experiences and, and came back with this love of perfectly ground beans and a, you know, a perfectly proportioned cappuccino. So by the end of this three-day hike, we came out of the wilderness with a whole business plan that we had written in our heads. And the name you know, came from the surroundings. We wanted to, to start Mountain Town Coffee. And the idea was that it would be the very first student-run business at the University of Montana. And so we had our plan. But of course, we had never run a business. We had never gotten financing. We had no idea what was involved in, in getting things approved through the University of Montana. Um, so there was just a whole series of adventures. But, but we ended up getting it launched. And it was the very first student-run business at the University of Montana. Um, the university campus is beautiful. And it's centered around this great big open space in the middle called the Quad. And we did all of our studies and figured out where the heaviest traffic flow was. And so we wanted to set up right there in the center of the Quad. And through again through all sorts of adventures that was that was where we were able to set up and it was just fantastic it was such a fun business to wake up and and go out and greet the day with every day because there was a line of very happy people who were looking forward to their coffee that was I mean we'll say it, it was better than anything you could get at the time and it was right there on their way to class so we had very devoted customers and we knew them by uh, some of them by name but most of them by the drink there would be quad mocha guy and and you know triple espresso <laughs> 10 a.m and we just had all these great customers and and names and and things that we could look forward to every single day you it's almost like joel you started sort of that love of hospitality right there in the quad at the university of montana with your coffee carts 
that that's just an amazing story and i i just love how you you thought about the idea you wrote your business plan or you thought it through and, and then you embarked on it so that business did start into other things like you said you wanted to do a coffee house after that tell us about that please sure so this is montana and it gets very cold and one of the first shortcomings we discovered in our model is that you know while the the students could run by and get their coffee very conveniently if you were working the cart you were standing there kind of freezing every day particularly in the winter months so before we got to the coffee house the next step was um, we needed a place to store the equipment every night and we worked out a deal with universities to store it on their facilities and every night when we were putting it away we kept noticing this kind of funky little van that was run down and that looked like it hadn't moved in forever. Um, but again, we, we were starting to realize that we don't see things as they are. We see them as, as they could or should be. And so we envisioned, maybe because we were shivering cold, putting our cart inside that little van. So we did some inquiries and found out that it was going to be part of a surplus sale. Uh, it was a state asset. We didn't know anything about that, so we had to quickly educate ourselves to how surplus sales work, you know, how do you put in a bid, and we were able to, to get this little van. So then we embarked on our next adventure, trying to take it apart, put it all back together in the way that we had envisioned it, and my favorite part of what we ended up calling the Java bus was once we got everything inside, stainless steel, and we got the, the license from the health department and everything set up the way that we needed it, I wanted something that would catch people's attention and that was iconic. And we found it in um, the Montana version of a Home Depot. is this giant planter that was about three feet wide, three feet tall. <laughs> we painted it white, and I cut out what looked like a handle that we glued onto the side. And then with a little three-foot piece of surgical tubing, we put a hole into the bottom of the cup so that when we would turn the coffee machine on every morning, we would connect that little piece of surgical tubing to the steamer and then steam would come out of the coffee cup on the top of the van. And so then people would know that we were ready and open for business. <laughs> That's amazing. So that was our little job of us. And then because now we had wheels, that gave us more mobility. We could not only serve the students at the university, but we were able to start on weekends going to farmer's markets. And then that really uh, kind of lit us up for taking care of people, customer service. Now, now we had two audiences that we could look forward to every week. There were people that would come and go through their, their rounds at the farmer's market and get their veggies and their gladiolas, and then they would come and get their coffee, and we would see them every week. And it just became this, this really wonderful community. The job of us, and I, I can imagine the two of you were such a good team pulling that together, figuring out the health you know, getting the permits and, and all that and building it out. And I love how you had the steam coming out of the coffee cup on top. This is just incredible. You have really um, shared the inspiring story of how you can take an idea, a coffee dream, and then bring it into a real life story. That's amazing. So when you and Danny graduated, um, was that in 1995? What, what, how, what did you do about the coffee business? Well, uh, we had started it as a student-run business, and we our vision was that when we were ready to move on, that we would we would pass the reins on to other students, and so that's exactly what we did. There were some other students that I had gotten to know in the music technology program, and they were very interested, and they they walked by our in fact they were customers, so they walked by our cart every morning and and bought coffee from us. They knew about the business, so when I was about to finish the program, they approached us and said they would like to buy it and keep it going. So. Uh, we found out several years later that eventually the university uh, decided they no longer liked the competition, so they they had uh, stopped granting a renewal of the license to operate on campus. But those students who bought it from us went on to start their own um, series now of, of businesses in Missoula called Liquid Planet, and they're incredible coffee houses. They they have multiple locations, and so you know I certainly can't take credit for it, but we really take a lot of pleasure in in knowing that our business passed on and inspired other coffee lovers to to realize their coffee dreams. Definitely. And you're inspiring our listeners all around the world as you share your coffee dreams and how you started there at the University of Montana and turned your idea into an amazing, success, successful business. 
Joel, we have been so enjoying our chat with you, and we can't wait to talk a little bit more right after the break, how you then transitioned and moved to Austin, Texas from Missoula, Montana, right after the break. Listeners, please join us. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We've been having such a nice time with our guest, Joel Rasmussen from Austin, Texas. We were just sharing coffee dreams and how an idea at the University of Montana having coffee carts turned into an amazing business and Joel was sharing with us how he met Danny his wife there at the University of Montana and then those coffee carts turned into also a fun Java bus and then we were going to ask Joel a little bit more about how that turned into a coffee house there in Missoula. Please tell us, Joel. Sure. So when we had the cart, 
part of the agreement with the health department was that we had to have a place to clean our supplies at the end of the day. It wasn't a lot, but, you know, the steamers and the, the groups that go in the espresso machine. And we were really fortunate that the company that we had met right as we were starting our business, they were also launching a, the first coffee roastery in Missoula um, called Hunter Bay Coffee. And they were just they were lovely people. They spent an inordinate amount of time uh, educating us about coffee, about how to get exactly the right grind for an espresso and how the grind might even change throughout the day based on humidity and ambient temperature. And, you know, it was just this wonderful education. And they were also kind enough to be our commissary for the first year that we were open. So we would go buy our beans. And at the end of the day, we would go meet up with them again and do our dishes and put it away. Um, But eventually it was, you know, we knew we needed to find our own space. And we kept driving by this Again, this is a recurring theme for us. What we saw is a beautiful building, but I think at the time it it looked pretty scary to most folks. It was a Victorian <laughs> building that was right on the river in downtown Missoula. And we we learned later that there's a movie called A River Runs Through It that's set in Missoula. And in the opening segment of that film, there's actually a photo of this beautiful property back as it was around the turn of the century, just sitting right on the river. Oh, bed. yes, I remember. Um, it's, yeah, it's beautiful black and white. But at the time that we found it, it was... It was really a flop house. There were it wasn't even clear who had the lease. It sort of belonged to the casino next door, but they only needed it for parking, and so it was just a, a place that people would come and go. It was falling apart. But what we saw was the future home of a beautiful Victorian coffee house, the kind of place that we would have hung out in Mexico or in Spain, uh, where we could not only have a commissary, but we could you know we could have a full business and we could be open late and have people come and do book signings and poetry readings and you know, all that sort of stuff that, that sounds perfect when you're in, in college. So we signed the paperwork. I'll never forget the look on my mom's face when she came and, and looked at this. It was just a, some combination of shock and, and horror and, and pity, I think. Um, just, you know, not not believing what we had gotten ourselves into. Um, but we were young and full of energy and enthusiasm, and we took this on and renovated this property. And within about six months, it actually looked like what we had envisioned in our mind's eye. And we ended up winning an award from the city of Missoula for a historic preservation. And we were able to open the doors of Avalon Cafe and Books. And it was, when it was finished, it was just stunning. The floors were old um, longleaf pine that we had resurfaced, so they were gleaming and beautiful. We found an old oak bar that had been in a saloon in Montana at the turn of the century, and now it was prominently in the centerpiece of the property with the most amazing espresso machine that we could could find and afford. Uh, It was this magnificent um, uh, Rancilio machine, and it had a great big gold dome with an eagle spread wings on top and all these tubes coming off of it. It looked like a, you know, a some sort of retro science project, and it made fantastic <laughs> coffee. And so that was the kind of the third phase of our little coffee um, enterprise or adventure in Montana was opening Avalon Cafe and Books. And it was marvelous. It was just a, a wonderful experience. Your creativity uh, with Danny is just amazing, Joel. So you you saw something in that Victorian building and you made just such a beautiful business out of that. And it seems like that was what you said, sort of the start of loving to renovate something. And um, so when you transitioned to Austin, Texas, and that was that in 1999? Uh, there was a, a short stint in the Bay Area in California. So we okay. were... Uh, um, Done with school, I had studied music technology and Spanish. Um, Danny had used her her Spanish degree a little bit, but what she really wanted to do was that we had discovered in the course of renovating the property that she wanted to do something more visual and creative. So we spent about five years in San Francisco, and while we were in the San Francisco area, we actually lived in Menlo Park, just a few blocks from Stanford University. And while we lived there, we were fortunate enough to find a house that we could buy. And you'll again, you'll hear a theme here. I think people who saw the house. <laughs> in the condition that we bought it, um, thought that we were crazy because it was, um, I think even the film crew from Hoarders would be alarmed at the condition <laughs> that this house was in. There was not a visible square foot that didn't have things piled to the ceiling. It smelled of the most awful smells. The backyard, you couldn't even see because it was completely overgrown with bramble and berries and it was just a complete mess. Um, but that's what we love to do. And, and we knew that that's what we love to do. So we were able to buy a house there. And, you know, long before these shows about 
flipping houses and renovating. We just kind of figured out our way. We found what was at that point the equivalent of a Home Depot and taught ourselves how to do all the things that we needed to do to turn this little, you know, rundown and neglected bungalow in Menlo Park into a paradise. And when we were finished with it, we we knew that we wanted to do more of that. And we really couldn't afford to, to play in that market at that time. It was just, you know, people were coming in and spending a million dollars to flatten something and build something new. And we just, we didn't have those kinds of resources. Um, but we kept hearing about Austin, Texas. Uh, and when we came and visited, we fell in love with it. It's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful part of the world. Um, it's very literate. It's very cultural. Um, people are so friendly here. That's the one thing that, that still to this day, I, I forget about until I go other places and I come back and realize just how oddly friendly Austin is. So we sold the property that we had in, in California and were able to take the proceeds from that and do several properties here. And that was, you know, for the next several years, that was our passion, was buying old neglected properties and kind of taking them back to their, their glory state. And then we would turn around and sell them. Fantastic. So the the 10 homes or so that are in your property management company, are those ones that you've renovated, Joel? They are. So when our son was born, we took a little break, but we, it's, it's like a, you know, a tug at the back of your mind. We just wanted another project. We wanted something to do. And one day as we were driving home, we drove by a property that had just gone on the market when we lived in California, we had fallen in love with uh, what's called an Eichler. It's a, kind of a mid-century um, architect, or there, there are Eichler homes all over the Bay Area. Um, and we found one here in Austin that was really exactly what we were looking for. We wanted to do a, a renovation of a mid-century. And when we looked at the details of the listing, we learned that it was not one. It was actually a whole bunch of these units that were all being offered for sale at the same time. The family that had originally built them, was they were, it was an estate sale. And so it was a big project, bigger than we had done before, but we swung for the fences and we bought them all and renovated them all. And so those are now um, what are known as SoCo Spaces, our award-winning um, vacation rentals. It's maybe easier to think of them as Airbnbs. That's, uh, that's a, an idea that people understand. Um, but those are our furnished rentals here in Austin, Texas. They all have just an amazing vibe. They're designed beautifully. They're well-equipped. They're in the perfect location. Great walking distance to parks and restaurants and little cafes and really close to downtown. And um, that South Congress area, or maybe that's where you get the name SoCo, that is such a fun area in Austin. And as you say, very friendly and in a fun place. How you created your spaces is such a signature and also such a representation of you and Danny. Um, and I, I'd love to somehow describe to our listeners what are some of the key elements that that you would say are important in a vacation rental. We travel you know, as much as we can, and we now I think once you've stayed in a vacation rental, it becomes you know for for some people it becomes very hard to go back to a hotel because there's just something about staying in a neighborhood, feeling like you're part of the community, um, that that's very addictive. And then the, you know the amenities that go with it to have laundry and to have a full kitchen, and the privacy that comes with with staying in a furnished rental is is yes. you know those are all the things that we really look for. In designing our own, we wanted to start with those baselines, but we really wanted this to be a space that people could come in, set their luggage down, and just absolutely relax and melt into the surroundings. So for us, that meant making sure that the spaces are very clean and open. There's no clutter. There's nothing in the way that doesn't need to be there. It's really been reduced down to the bare essentials that you need for an absolutely comfortable stay and nothing that would get in the way. So that's our overall design aesthetic. Um, for the you know the look and the the feel of the places, I really have to take my hat off to Danny because that's that's one of her many areas of genius. But in particular, she's she's just better than anyone I know at going into a space and figuring out you know what needs to be there and what doesn't need to be there, and then occupying the space mentally and and then creating the guide through it. So I think one of the things that that um, people notice about our spaces is. The, the guidebooks, we we document everything. There are labels. You know, when you walk into a new space for the first time, there's just a little moment of confusion. What does this switch do? How do I turn that on? What's behind that door? And 
through these very small, um, subtle labels everywhere that, that don't get in the way. But they're, they're just what you need to know to figure something out. It just takes away the, the stress of being in a new space so you can, again, just relax and, and enjoy your time there. You definitely make guests feel very at home, and your rentals stand out. I love how you've used um, color to be welcoming. Even your doors are painted a certain color, and you describe each rental by the color of the door, like the green door or the yellow door, and I think that's really fun. But you even have no detail um, overlooked when one opens the pantry even delicious coffee welcomes a guest uh, and you think of everything and I can tell that it seems like you have brought in also what you think is important in a rental and like your travels and the design elements that Danny has but that creation of hospitality and something that you started even with your coffee carts and your your coffee cafe, that hospitality is something that um, really shines through in your rentals. And I know, Joel, that you wrote a very successful best-selling book um, in 2013, Vacation Rental Success and um, From Start to Profit. I would love for you to share how, before we, we go to break, how that came about and some of the key things you were trying to share with your readers. Sure, and thank you. Thank you for the compliments. Um, that really came about because we had been doing, you know, we, we just sort of fell into it. Um, I had a, a friend who, you mentioned the, the movie. Uh, it was my friend, Andrew Schapter, the director of Before the Music Dies, who called me one day. He had a... a, a studio that was part of his property, and he decided to do the same thing. He turned that into a furnished rental, and he was just having so much fun. He was meeting people from all over the world, having these great conversations. He really enjoys being a host and showing people around Austin, sharing his favorite things. And he called me one day because we had this this little bungalow that at that point was a long-term rental, and it was, you know, it was fine. We liked it that way. Um, but he said, you have to try this. It's so much fun. It's really rewarding to to welcome guests and have these these great conversations. And you just you, you always have new, fun, exciting conversations waiting around the corner when your property is hosting hosting travelers from around the world. So he got us started. Over the next several years, we got to know other hosts. There's, there was an online Yahoo group at that point that then turned into a, a more formal community, um, of which I'm the, the president of the Austin Rental Alliance, which is an association of a whole bunch of vacation rental owners in Austin. And I realized that I was spending a lot of my time answering questions and helping other people out. I, I want other people to be successful if they decide to do this as well. And the more that I had those and realized that they were you know, the same series of questions and same areas of concern over and over, I decided it was, it was time to put that all down into something formal. So I, so I sat down and wrote the book. And it's, been, it's just been a, a wonderful journey. I, I get email messages. People find me on LinkedIn. Um, I just met a gentleman a year ago who gave, I mean, he sent me a whole video about reading the book, buying a property, ending up with a $50,000 profit at the end of his first year. And he said, it's, you know, this has changed my life financially. So, oh. you know, kind of like launching the, you know, the people that ended up launching Liquid Planet, I'm not responsible for their success, but it feels great to have been a spark that, that they took and ran with and, and were able to build their own dreams. Oh, definitely. It's uh, what an amazing story about your book. And um, we've been speaking with Joel Rasmussen about how starting out at, by the University of Montana with some ideas about having a coffee cart that turned into a, a coffee house that then eventually turned into um, having beautiful property rentals and hosting people from all around the world. Joel, we've so enjoyed chatting with you, and we're going to take a quick break. So listeners, please join us because we're going to talk a little bit more with Joel um, about some other dreams that he had in producing a film documentary about music right after the break. Please join us. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All 
the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. As a small business owner, there's one word that you absolutely dread, payroll. For small businesses, it's a big burden. You may think you're saving time and money doing it yourself. But come on, are you? Timesheets, processing checks, calculating taxes, a total waste of your time. Paychecks simplifies payroll processing, saving you time and money. Submit your payroll online, fax it in, or call your dedicated Paychecks payroll specialist. And you're done. Learn more at trypaychecks.com. Come on, do the math. The IRS dishes out 8 million penalties a year. Make one mistake and you're on the hook. On average, you're losing nearly one business day every month doing payroll. That's time and money you'll never get back, unless you get paychecks. More than half a million small businesses already do. Call 877-648-5421. Trade payroll pressure for peace of mind. Call now. 877-648-5421. That's 877-648-5421. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. What a fun show we're having with Joel Rasmussen. We're sharing coffee dreams and other dreams in life. And we were just talking with Joel about how he and his wife, Danny, ended up getting into uh, hosting guests all around the world in their beautiful rental properties here in Austin, Texas. And we were going to ask Joel a little bit more about how he produced a really incredible documentary in 2006, a documentary film called Before the Music Dies. And Joel, we were wondering, tell us about the inspiration behind that film, please. Sure. So I mentioned my friend, Andrew Schapter. Um, he's a neighbor, uh, somebody we've known for a long time. And he um, it, it remains a photographer. It's his passion now. He's uh, firmly a film director as well. But at the time that we met him, he was primarily a photographer. Uh, and we had hired him to do some photos of our son, who had just turned one year, uh, just just had his first birthday. And Andrew mentioned that he was working on a project. It had started out as what he thought was going to be a coffee book. He wanted to look at the music industry. And what he had noticed on a lot of his shoots was that the bands seemed in a way less concerned about their music and more concerned about their image. And he started to get more and more calls for these almost packaged artists that were being put together by the labels that really didn't, it just, it seemed disconnected to him from what he understood and, and always was very passionate about with regard to music and musicians. So he wanted to do 
what started out as a, a coffee book sort of love letter to musicians. And he realized very quickly that it probably needed to be a documentary. And he said, I've never done a documentary before. And I was at a point in time where I had some free time and was very interested in this. And I said, let's do this together. So we launched into the project. Um, part of my background when I lived in the Bay Area was working for a company called Avid that makes video and film editing systems. And I had learned that system. And so I, I not only had the, the technical chops to be able to at least you know, contribute to that piece of it, um, but was able to bring together some investors and help craft the storyline. So we launched into this incredible project, and it was just, you know, two guys that had no connections to anyone wanting to understand what was happening in the music industry. And over the course of the next six, I guess it took almost nine months for us to produce it, we were fortunate to be able to interview Erica Badu and Elvis Costello and Bonnie Raitt, one of my personal heroes. Um, I mean, just this incredible list of phenomenal musicians who were willing to sit down with us and share their perspective about what was going on in the music industry. And then we were able to get Forrest Whitaker to do the narration. And I, I have to share just one little uh, story about Forrest, because when we when we sat down with him, we uh, were able to, to get him to commit to doing the narration. We flew out to LA, we sat down in a, a recording studio, and he came in and sat down and he said, I just came back from Africa. If I've ever done anything in my career that is worthy of an Academy Award, it's this project that I just finished um, called The Last King of Scotland, where I play Idi Amin. And of course, he predicted the future because that year he won the Academy Award for his portrayal wow. of, of uh, Idi Amin in, in The Last King of Scotland. So it, it was a wonderful project. And we got to you know, interview people that we had looked up to our whole lives. Uh, Eric Clapton talking about the blues and this Austin musician, Doyle Bramhall, who we were, his, his story was kind of the arc that we were using to tell this overall story. Um, it was just a, a marvelous once in a lifetime project. Oh, that's fantastic. And I know people still enjoy watching that film. Um, have you had people contact you recently about um, just telling their thoughts about about what they, how they in, were inspired by that film. It's I still get emails to this day. I'm I'm surprised, but but somehow there's something about the story that seems to be fairly timeless. You know, some of the things that we touched on have have morphed. We talked at that point when the film came out. Uh, we were looking at how Napster was affecting the music industry, and of course now it's it's there are different names, but the underlying trends. Uh, seem to be moving in the same direction. So we still get people calling, emailing, again, finding me on LinkedIn uh, to say that this story has affected them. And it's it's caused them, in some cases, to make different decisions about you know what they were going to do with their lives, what, whether they were going to pursue music or how they're going to pursue their passion. So, it, it again, it's just been a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that, has, that continues to grow influence and, and spread wings in, in ways that we could never have predicted. So I'm so looking forward to hearing if you have any more uh, documentaries in mind down the road. Please tell us, Joel. <laughs> you know, at this point, uh, our son is a freshman in high school. And so for the next four years, our life really is around enjoying every minute that we can with him. And then we're going to reinvent ourselves once he's off onto his own adventures. And I have no idea what what life will look like at that point. Um, but you know, that the creative tug never goes away. So I have no doubt that we'll be launching other ventures. We might do another documentary. Who knows? There might, there may be more books in the future. Big question mark at this point. We can't wait. I can imagine your son, Joel, has your and Danny's wonderful creativity. Is he involved in music at all in high school? He is. He's uh, playing both piano. He's just now learning the bass. Um, we had a fun recital with his uh, music teacher a couple of weeks ago. At a, um, there's a beer roaster or a beer um, garden here in town called ABGV, Austin Beer Garden and Brewery. And his teacher has all of her students come and play several times a year so they get performance experience. And he and I performed Billy Joel's Piano Man. He played the whole thing and I sang along with him. Oh, that's so incredible. Oh, that is, I, I can't wait to see your next projects together. I can see you'll be an incredible duo. Um, well, I'm also curious about the Austin scene and 
I know how they have, you know, music festivals, South by Southwest, and I guess that kind of turns into a film festival. Tell us about your involvement a little bit in the in the Austin, Texas scene. Yeah, this is just a, it's a unique place. I've never found anywhere quite like Austin. It is a big city, and it has so much of what big cities offer in terms of culture and nightlife and incredible live music, incredible restaurants. But yet it still has a small-town feel, and I, I haven't figured out exactly why that is the way it is. Now, the, the downside, of course, is traffic, because everybody wants to be here, and there are more people moving here every day. But I, I know why they're moving here. It's just such a wonderful place. And it, we really have a, we have a 52-year or 52-week calendar. There's something going on all the time. There are, there are two music festivals. We're so spoiled. We have two of the best music festivals in the world that both happen in our backyard. There's South by Southwest that has, it's you know, world famous at this point. Almost everyone has heard of South by Southwest. And the Austin City Limits Festival is close on its heels. It also has, it's risen to acclaim at nearly the same level. And they're a little bit different. South by is it's just massive. It spreads over the whole city. There, you know, every flat surface has a band. It seems like mm-hmm. the Austin City Limits Festival is a little more curated. Well, it's, it's a much more curated event. Um, it's so well produced that it's almost painful deciding who you're going to go to see because of who you won't be able to see that's playing at that same time. And oh. I think that might be part of the reason that they decided to to go to two weekends now. So now it's it happens over two weekends in October. It's most the same lineup. So if you didn't get to see your favorite band the first weekend or, you know, you, you wanted to see that new band that's really firing you up, you can see them. And then the next weekend you can go to a completely different lineup. And then we have Formula One for racing fans. This is you know, the Indy 500 went away, and then Formula One came back to the United States and chose Austin as its home base. So we have the um, you know the world premiere racing event, um, MotoGP, the number one motorcycle racing event, happens here. Um, there are rallies on South Congress for people that love fixing up old cars. There's just so much that's happening here all the time, um, and that means that we get to welcome guests from all over the world. All the time, 52 weeks a year, we have fun, interesting people staying with us, and we get to hear their stories and find out you know, what they're all about. Tell us a little bit about some of your interesting guests that you've hosted, Joel. Oh, my. Well, so the, the name dropping is always fun. Uh, we hosted the crew of the, the Coen brothers when they shot. Oh, shoot. The name's going to escape me now. Um, rats will have to edit that out. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Um, so let me back up. Interesting. You know, we've just, well, <laughs> we met you. You stayed at our property. and uh, you know, <laughs> That we was just, a true pleasure. We are always surprised by the delightful, wonderful, interesting people that we meet. We've, we've met people that we've then been invited to come and stay with them in their homes or in their vacation homes. We've had people come back and visit us every year for five or six years in a row. Um, we've been a home for neighbors. So one of our property, actually the property that you stayed in, the lovely couple next door had their first baby. And so grandma and grandpa, who were you know, new grandparents, came and stayed with us for three weeks while they were waiting for the baby. And then once the baby was born, they stayed and helped mom and dad out for a week and a half afterwards. And then they came back and did it again when baby two came along. Um, so it's just been, it's a wonderful experience. Um, we've actually, the, um, the gentleman whose business, uh, who I'm now in business with, we met because they came and stayed with us. Uh, I remember coming home and telling Danny that, you know, whoever that couple is that's staying at the green door right now, they've figured life out because they're having the time of their lives. She's on the deck painting. He's playing his guitar. They both have the <laughs> biggest, happiest grins on their faces and they just seem to have figured life out and they had such a great time here that they went home to Oregon sold everything and moved here and retired to Austin and they're now two of our closest friends what a story Uh, the Austin community is so vibrant and creative and you know even the university culture adds that fun element to it it's very entrepreneurial and I know you're so active in the Austin community and how you have your welcome book when you're when someone comes to one of your rentals, you you know all the great places that you recommend and what would you say is one of your favorite coffee cafes there in Austin, Joel? Oh gosh. <laughs> 
I have to pick. Well, let's see. My two favorites that are closest to us are Tom's, and it's it's Tom's the Shoe Company, but oh, they decided yes. to open their flagship store here in Austin, right on South Congress. So it's you can go in and buy their shoes, but they also have their own roastery, and they've got a coffee bar, and they train their baristas so well that the coffee is always it's superb. It's just it, there's it's as good as it gets. And then we had another little coffee shop open uh, just in the last year and a half called Manana that's also right there on South Congress. And they also train their baristas extremely well. It's I've never had a bad coffee there. So those are two of my favorites. But, I mean, there are so many in this neighborhood. It's it's hard to pick a favorite. There's also Joe's, which is one of the, the oldest. Um, and they're only, I think, maybe they're only 15 years old at this point. Uh, but they've been doing it longer than anyone. They have that iconic wall that I'm sure people have seen photos of. It's um, somebody spray painted, I love you so much, and it stayed up there. And it's now that's a thing that people have to go get their photo taken next to. Um, so that's Joe's. And then there's Binu. Uh, there's once over there's, there's a lot of great coffee in our neighborhood. And delicious. And you certainly appreciate good coffee and know your good coffee. And of course, you share delicious coffee in your rentals. So that is so appreciated. You know, speaking of Tom's Coffee there on South Congress in Austin, I have been in there and they do a great job. And what I love about Tom's is that they also, they, the coffee that you purchase there goes to something really good. They give water to people who don't have water. Um, it's just an incredible place. So thank you for mentioning some of your favorites, definitely. So we started together in this show, Joel, sharing coffee dreams. And we would love to share with our listeners maybe some of your future dreams. Do you have any down, that you might like? Like to share down the road? Really, it's going to be travel at this point. Um, we're at a place where you know we know we have this short window of time with our son. Um, one of the things that we've always loved, to, well, Danny and I have loved traveling since we met, and our son has traveled with us since he was born, and he's become you know, a, a world traveler in his own right. And so that's what's on the horizon for us, is meeting new friends that we haven't met yet, discovering new cultures, new vistas, new foods, new coffees, and just experiencing as much of the world as we possibly can. Oh, and I can imagine that you might actually bring your creativity into some of your travels where you could share in a book or um, you might find that perfect property somewhere that you can you can see that it's a diamond in the rough, but you and Danny know it's going to turn into something pretty. But I can uh, we can't wait to hear about your next adventures and your dreams. And in the meantime, we wish you and Danny and your son well. Um, and we also wish your son well as he goes through high school. And we've been so grateful to you, Joel, that you joined us today today to take time from your busy schedule, all that you do. Um, so thank you so much, Joel. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today all around the world. We, we, we loved talking to Joel Rasmussen, sharing coffee dreams. Um, it's so wonderful how sometimes an idea and a, and a dream can turn into a, a life story, a successful business, and an adventure. So thank you, Joel, for all your inspiring stories. And thank you to our listeners. We always love to share our gratitude to you at Amikona.com. We always have our gift, our 15% gift. And of course, we love continuing the conversation. Um, either you can send us questions, radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com or on our Twitter at Anikona Farm. We've had so much fun today. Thanks again, Joel. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. We wish you a wonderful week, and we look forward to being together next week on My Favorite Coffee Story. In the meantime, we wish you a big aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.